Bites and Bites Podcast is the perfect wrestling podcast. Tights and Bites Podcast. Tights and Bites. Do Space Jam. Do the Space Jam theme. Wham Jam, Space Jam, Basketball and Cartoons. Welcome back to Tights and Bites. I just remember more of the song. Dribble, dribble, shoot the ball. There's Wiley Coyote. It's the Space Jam. Wham, jam. LeBron is back. Here are his kids and Bugs Bunny's there too. Welcome to Tights and Fights, the show that discusses wrestling with the sincerity <laughs> and hilarity that it deserves. I'm Hal Star Wrestling, Hal Loveland, and I'm joined today by my fellow members of the Nation of Conversation, the great Ameridan Bash, Danielle Radford. That was exactly what I asked for. I said do Space Jam, and you provided... And I'm so happy I could plots. <laughs> also, Better than R. Kelly, we can agree. <laughs> yes, yes. In so many ways. And also, we are joined by Booyakelk619, Booyakelk, Lindsay Kelk. Hello. Hello. I'm just genuinely shook by the shit space jam of it all. I was like, was that the song? <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, so to me, that's canon. That is the song. Forever and always. <laughs> Roadrunner to Elmer Fudd. The grandma's there. She's gonna dunk. Space Jam. Space, 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 space Jam. It's Basketball just good enough cartoons. that it conceivably could be the song. Like, I mm-hmm. say song. go for it. I'm willing Pitch to collect money shit. for it. Here's everything Warner Brothers owns. They're all on screen. Are you happy now? Space Jam. Space Jam. Still not as good as Marvel. Look, we also already play a one. It is no no guarantee of quality by putting everything you've ever owned on a screen at the same time. Yeah, it's a real bad idea. Just everything and Lena Waithe. Like, just, we gotta gotta start skipping it. Yeah, it's not a given. Like, it's not a given. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> rip, rip, ready player LeBron. It's happening now, right on your screen. You know what I mean? Did you pay for this? It's Space Jam. <laughs> Lindsay, let's start wrestling adjacent, no. but also film relevant. You finally watched your first film in the wrestling adjacent franchise that we've all seen the last 30 seconds of if we tuned into Raw. That is Fast and Furious. Which one did you watch? You watched the first this. one? No, I saw this in the script and I just didn't correct it because it's funnier to keep it. That, no, I didn't see it. I did the same <laughs> thing again where I turned okay. the TV on for Raw 10 minutes mm. early or NXT, NXT. And um, is it Fast and Furious that's not going to need those in it? That's not the Fast and the Furious, but there's one that's oh, just Oh, part fast. four. I think it's part four is, is Fast and Furious. Yeah. yeah. Why do I know that? They drove through a cave I saw some men drive into a cave um, uh-huh. and one of them was Paul Walker and the other one was Vin Diesel. And then there mm-hmm. were so many men chasing them, which was so exciting. And then someone was like, don't shoot at the boss. And the way he encouraged them to not shoot at the boss was to kill them, even though they were on the same team. That seemed very aggressive. You can go to HR for that and you will get a telling off. Um, and then, And then Vin Diesel was in a prison bus but the shot was shot for shot exactly the same as when Roger the Alien is on a prison bus in an episode of American Dad, and that <laughs> really tickled me because um, I don't know which one came first. Um, and then Jordana Brewster was there, and then cars came around the prison bus, and then Vin Diesel looked out the window like, these guys, and then, and then it ended. So it was great. 
You know what? That's such an encapsulation of that series that it's like, I feel like you could safely watch the last 10 minutes of every Fast and the Furious franchise and be caught up, except for this last one. I do highly recommend that everybody see this last one um, because not spoilers. This is, it was in the trailer. uh, They send a hoopty into space. And it's pretty amazing. I do want that. So um, I'm not saying I won't ever watch another final eight minutes of a Fast and the Furious movie. I think I think there is actually more final eight minutes of a Fast and the Furious movie in my future. And I feel good about that. I'm very excited. Me too. Maybe not Tokyo Drift. I, that one I didn't look so good. But Nah, you can skip Tokyo Drift. That has I the mean, teaser. That is the MCU teaser at the end where you, see Vin, where you find out where Dominic Toretto's been because he wasn't in the sequel. I just think that you could really skip all of them until five. They're really all skippable. Or any of the characters in Space Jam. They're all in there. Okay. Hey, there's oh, Dominic Toretto. Dunk <laughs> the ball. Nothing's more important than family in the Space Jam. Space, 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 space Jam. Fick it, fick it, fick space. <laughs> we miss you, Paul. Space Jam. <laughs> so he, he died. <laughs> we, good Lord. As we head into the first week of multiple wrestling shows having live audiences, the biggest event, for sure, was night one of AEW's Fighter Fest, featuring some people I knew, some people I forgot who they were. Lindsay, you liked the, the outfits the Young Bucks were wearing. They were wearing <laughs> yes, fun jumpers. My thoughts on AEW this week were about the Young Bucks rompers. rompers I mean, it was a fun look. It was a fine segment. I don't want to, like, and the live crowd made it way better, and everybody's playing to the crowd. The energy was there. A lot of good matches. I don't want to say AEW is terrible. I just. No, I, was, I thought this episode was not bad. I, it was, like, a not bad episode. I am loving this new version of the Elite. I love snarky, cocky flashy the elite this is very Mm -hmm. funny to me because this is a new development for them and kenny's facial hair is a commitment like that's almost shameless level commitment with i I love anything where a character's like i'm gonna look like this all the time that's Mm -hmm. how much i care um i I have so much to say about the boxes outfits lately because it's been hilarious um but that cat riding a shark vomiting a rainbow I don't know if it was a two-piece or a romp him. Um, that was magnificent. And God bless my husband for finding it online within two minutes and ordering it for me. So wait, watch out for that. <laughs> watch out for that. Oh, um, I am really unnecessarily excited for you in this romper. Right? I can't wait to I see this thing I just really camera. do feel like it got me. I'm still not entirely sure why Paige is so close with the Dark Order because they kept trying to recruit him for ages and he was like, no. And I hate when they bring up the drinking thing because it's dumb and it's tacky and it's not handled well. By the smell of your breath, man, I can tell you're still hitting the bottle, huh? And, and that, that fits the narrative perfect, right, guys? The, the, the sad, lonely, drunk cowboy all by himself in the end. But I'm, I'm excited for the match. I love that they gave it stakes. I love that they made it feel important. And I like to see Colt doing stuff. So that was fun for me. I feel like they dropped the alcohol, like in the in the heat, all the memories flooded back very quickly. And the, the slow burn of, of his drinking ruining everything and him being the one who would who would go heal felt like the, that was the way it was going. Then his eventual redemption or some like study of what it means to 
be an addict and lose everything and be in recovery, which maybe it's my fault for expecting too much from wrestling. Yeah, I don't know if that's a story that's for wrestling to tell. <laughs> uh, maybe not, but I know they're capable of layered storytelling and they're not afraid of tackling larger issues, whether they whether they get it right or not. And then they mm-hmm. completely dropped it and essentially we're all cheering a functioning alcoholic. All the cowboy shit signs, the majority of them have bottles in them. So we're like, drink, 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 drink. And that to me, and maybe it's because I have a personal relationship with addiction and how it affects people in your family mm. to the point where that where it feels like they're doing a huge disservice and it bothers me but again that could just be me i like hangman adam page it was a fine segment no i like hangman i i just i i agree and again this is um this is when danielle admits that she doesn't have cable again um <laughs> but just it's one of those things where again there, there's so much nuance to a story like that that when you wind up having people in the actual audience with like booze on their signs, mm. yeah, maybe it's time to go ahead and pull that on back. Yeah, I think it's yeah. just possibly because the Bucks being people who don't drink, and I think right. Kenny doesn't drink either, right? I think a lot of those guys don't drink at all. They're leaning too hard into the idea that literally anyone for whom alcohol passes their lips must be a raging alcoholic. And they neither committed nor didn't to the storyline. Like, they didn't have him falling over sloppy, you know, like being a, like, oh no, alcohol has ruined my life. They literally would just have him, he's had a hard day and he's gone to have an expensive whiskey at a bar. I'm like, I... Which he was sipping slowly, right? right? I'm like, you've not met any alcoholics, have you? Um, which I know they have, because yeah. wrestling. Yeah. But uh, like, I think you'll find it's actually just like grain alcohol in the glove box. It is not like a Jameson at the bar. Yeah, their, their addiction is Cracker Barrel, so they're not... <laughs> Which, I mean, in fairness. I'm excited to see the match. I, I'm keen to see Kenny versus Adam because I think it has a ton of potential to actually give us a really great Kenny match, which I don't think we've seen yet. And I would like to see. You know what's occurred to me recently? The, I don't. The thing that sticks in my craw about AEW, maybe above and, and beyond everything else, is that they have no identity because they are a mishmash of what feels like 8 million different promotions. Like, they're just the Deep Space Nine of wrestling. Now here's the Impact Champion. Now we've got uh, New Japan titles on the show. Taking up real estate mm-hmm. that you can use. So you have John Moxley defending the U.S. title against Carl Anderson, who, for all intents and purposes, is not on the AEW roster. He is on the Impact roster. So you have a guy from Impact wrestling a guy from AEW for a title from New Japan. I'm watching this weird patchwork of of different promotions and there's nothing wrong i have no quarrel with any other promotions existing but this show suffers from a huge identity crisis one area where they suffer from no identity crisis as our crack reporter lindsey kelk well knows is the red hot women's division of aew and you know it was night one of fighter fest a huge event surely they took a lot of time to showcase the ladies. Lindsay, what happened? Well, Hal, there was one match. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> there was one match and Penelope Ford lost it. So I don't I don't know. I don't know what to say. I, I don't want to say anything else. Britt was on the show. She didn't wrestle, but she was really great. Yeah, I just, again, with the not wanting to bag on AEW because it was an okay episode of the show. But one thing occurred to me while I was watching it this week, and it actually hit me while I was watching that Elite segment that I thought was so good. 
You know what I think my problem? <laughs> do you know what I think my problem is with AEW internet? I would love to hear this. Please. Um, it's so humorless. The tone of the show to me feels so humorless <clears throat> and like it takes itself so seriously. And they have so many people on that roster that are so funny and so great and so uh, relatable. And I can't get that connection. I can't meet that connection. And I don't know if it's just built up resentment of it's just one match uh, or the, like you say, the disparate tone and the lack of coherent identity or the fact that the people that have heat with me have like just go away heat and not like this motherfucker. Let's watch him get his face kicked in. Like there's just so many people where I'm like, oh, I don't care about this. Cody, the white suit is too much. You can't fight the man in the black suit while you wear the white. It's too much. But that's because I just have fully turned against Cody. And I just feel like it comes from the top. I feel like it comes from Cody and Tony just sat in their boardroom with their fingers templed like Mr. Burns, going, ha, 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 no intergender wrestling here and throwing money around, then turning around looking directly into camera and saying, but we're not WWE. We're better than them. We're different. And I just, Here's Christian that- versus Matt Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a very good match. I like both of those guys. I'm not ragging on them But it, it just felt so, it just feels so humorless and... Like, just far too self-important in a way that makes it unrelatable and makes it hard for me to root for them. Even the the Rusev segment, for example. So the Miro segment, that was very rude of me to misname Miro, Miro Day. So now Miro's, now Miro's Jesus? Like, did I miss a fucking week? Like, Wait, what? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to need you to go ahead and run that back. Right. Um, so did you see it? You didn't see it. So I don't have cable. I can't afford it. He a promo to camera about how he's the redeemer. And it was this very, very serious, intense promo about how he offers forgiveness to others and how he is there to redeem them and to make everything okay, even the people that betrayed him and all this. I'm just like, are you saying you're Jesus? Um, Because I know that plays well with some areas of the audience, but I think you'll find it's just Jesus in particular, not saying you're Jesus. And I can't work out where this is supposed to land. And this all plays back into that, that central thing we talked about a little bit last week with Malachi Black coming in. Two people, two kinds of people leave WWE and come to AEW, right? There's the kind of people who leave and say, creative screwed me over and I can do this better on my own and WWE held me back and here I am unleashed and I will be incredible. And then you've got your Alistair Blacks to an extent, you've got your FTRs, you've got people who will come and shine on their own. And then you've got the people who say, WWE held me back and they're your Sean Spearses who like actually have floundered and they have not blossomed into what mm. they believed they could be without the support of creative. And I am so afraid of seeing Miro go fully in the direction of like, I don't know what I am without someone telling me. Because this is not it. The Redeemer isn't it. Hal is shaking his head for those of you that can't see us. Yeah, I mean, I will say the coffin match was great. I do want to just say the coffin match was great. Apart from that sure. final fall, it was terrifying. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter uh, and I, it made my butthole pucker. I don't like yeah. that. 
poor Ethan Page. His head came real close to the edge of that coffin, mm-hmm. uh, and that was wood. They, they did not do yeah. a Jericho, mm-hmm. where underneath it was like all just like soft foam, and he uh, squished a purple a man. mattress. He squished a man. Like there was, I mean, just mm. poor Ethan Page laid in that coffin, your butthole puckered. His was like steel for like the whole three minutes that he was laid waiting for Darby to jump on him from the top rope backwards to kill both of them. I hope he got paid double. I really do. You have to get paid for each pucker. That's how I feel. <laughs> like literally. Pucker like pay. $50,000 a minute. I think that's that's how yes, it goes. That's fair. Tony's got the money, Ethan. Do not leave without your pucker check. Yeah, TK, pay him. NXT also had some big matches, including, and most of all, in the main event, you know, Samoa Joe's not allowed to attack anybody unless he's provoked. And I'd say he's been officially provoked as Karrion mm. Cross choked him out at the end of the Karrion Cross match in which he defeated Johnny Gargano to retain the NXT championship. Oh, I can't wait until Samoa Joe just makes him eat his fucking asshole. I can't, <laughs> I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait. I'm trying to think of all of the different ways that I want him. Do I want it in the Coquina Club? I can't pronounce that. I never have been. Uh, can, do I want it in a small package? I don't know. But I know that I want Joe to either choke him out or make him eat his own butthole. That, oh, and I'm very excited. Both. Why limit yourself? He could yeah. do both yes. things. It was exciting, wasn't it? It was fun. I hated to see Johnny lose because I hate Karen Cross so much. I'm like, just get the fucking belt. I was just like, why could they not have Johnny win and then set up Samoa Joe Karen Cross? If Joe's not going to wrestle a full-time schedule and he can't be champion, like, put the belt on Johnny and then have Karen Samoa be a grudge match. Like, just get the fucking belt off that fucking man. Why does he wear a little gladiator skirt to wrestle in, but then when he comes to the ring in his street clothes, he looks like a fourth tier magician in vegas like what are you he's the mind freak he's a mind freak <laughs> he that's freaks what he my is my mind he freaks <laughs> my mind his next uh, match will be against living in a refrigerator for three months that's oh, gonna be I his big stuff. wish it would <laughs> be come visit him go away go away after you've had your uh, dead butthole for dinner <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a weird moment at the beginning of the show, we had uh, Dakota Kai beat Ember Moon, which is fine. And I felt I felt bad because I like Ember Moon, but I just like I just feel like I have no connection to her as a performer. Yeah, like, there's nothing that makes me sit on the edge of my seat or care whether she wins or loses. And but objectively, like she seems like a great person, and this is not a like. There's no I have no criticism. It's just me as a fan. I like look at it. I go, why don't, why can't I connect? I take it upon myself. I don't put it on her because she's working her ass off out there. Yeah, she's one of the best like wrestlers. Like when they signed her, everyone was like, oh, holy shit, Athena's coming over, like one of the best wrestlers that's working. And I don't know if it's that she's not getting enough time to talk. I mean, because a lot of what people know about her now is like all of her gaming stuff, which is great. And, you know, she comes out on Mortal Kombat, but they haven't really done anything. Like Woods is the gaming guy, but he also has a personality aside from being the gaming guy. The same thing with like, uh, you know, uh, Prince Pretty and like a bunch of other those dudes who do the gaming stuff. They also have personalities beyond that. And I feel like with Ember Moon, they kind of like rest on the fact that you're probably watching this other stuff. And to me, that's just always a bad idea. 
And then for a while, they kind of rested on the fact that it's like, well, you like Shotzi and you like the tank. So we're. <laughs> it's true. I did like those things. Yeah. We do like those things. So we're going to put you together with, with someone else. Because I do think that Ember can be very charismatic. I just don't think that there's been. I think Lindsay, I don't know. Remember if that was you when we did the show a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, where you mentioned that there's just such a disconnect between her personality and her work in ring but i, I think, think that it that's was how but i agree it with might have been how completely yeah it's, it, it just feels like it's the same right i really like her i'm excited when i see she's going to come to the ring i i want her to do well but if she doesn't i don't care and that's not right so if there's all this goodwill towards her like why can't they connect it and i don't know if she needs a character refresh is she withholding something? Is she? It feels to me like she's holding back. Like there's something of her that she's not giving or that she's not communicating. And that's as much on them as her because obviously like her character's been developed with creative. And I just wonder if it is time for her angry two-camera promo. You know, is it time for Ember's like, yeah. no, fuck this. Like I work so fucking hard. I'm doing everything. Like what more does it take? Like what can it be? I'm sick of being this, I'm just going to be me now and I'm just going to come out and do what I do and I don't care. Like, you know, I I think something needs to happen. There needs to be a watershed moment for her where something shifts. Maybe give her a wolf, you know? They do the wolf (laughs) thing. Give her a wolf. That could work. That could work. I don't know, based on what I've seen, that she has that promo in her yet because the to, to have that promo, it feels like you need the audience to be very invested in you one way or the other either they cheer all the time and then you turn on them and you turn heel for whatever your reason is and you cut the promo then or you're a baby face who gets booed all the time and you get to take some of the frustration that no doubt you have as a performer that hey i'm doing all the right things and you're still rejecting me now i reject you yeah i just think it's time for a change something has to happen if you're performing in front of folded arms all the time that then there's no you have no basis yeah then it feels like you're throwing stuff at the wall and i hope that people like i don't think she gets no reaction from what i'm observing i don't see a very strong reaction one way or the other but i also think there's plenty of time she is young she has all the talent in the world it it will happen it's just i get frustrated as a fan that i'm not connecting and that's a me thing. Like, I really want to. But I think we all feel that same way, right? I think that's the thing. Like, right. no one, I don't think anyone would say, like, oh, I don't like her or, or whatever. Mm. I think everyone would be like, oh, I really like her, but, like, she's, I really like her, but. And while the goodwill is still there, it needs to be capitalized on in some way. Um, and just sticking her with Shotzi or, like, you know, trying to pair her with someone else. I don't know if that's the way to do it. Um, I think she probably needs to do a revisit. Yeah. Like, she's such an enthusiastic, happy person when you see her outside of the ring. And I'm like, can we see some of that maybe? Like, I don't know. You can do that and still be a stone cold killer because she is, when they let her be dominant in that ring, she murders people. Yeah. I mean, she is the eclipse. A murderer. It's like the most fun move. It's like, oh, that would rip your head off and you would die. And I enjoy that. Um, I want I want good things for her. I only want good things for her. But right now, I yeah, I'm just like. Eh. Oh, by the way, the weird moment I was, that I was uh, thinking about was that at the end of that match, when Zia Lee came into the ring and issued a challenge for the title, but nobody was miked. 
Yeah, so that seemed you could sort of hear like the you could you could hear like the hind like the like you knew what was going on, but also for the the people who were there or whoever was observing, you couldn't really tell what like that felt like that should have been a bigger moment. A lot of it played out great. Her walking right past Dakota yeah. Kai, like there, it was a layered, really good moment that would have made it even would have been made even better with. A microphone. I feel like the two things that you need for a wrestling show are a ring and a mic. Um, <laughs> and they got, the, and, and obviously wrestlers, but, you know, they, they got the one. Um, if we could just have gotten the other. Yeah. So close. Halfway there. So close. Halfway there. Uh, we did have a debut on NXT, which is Mandy Rose. It was a re-debut. She was already there. We had a return. She's returned to NXT. And she... If you were wondering if she'll if she will just stand there and stare at you, guess what? She's going to do that. And then she will wrestle later on. So we don't know. We just saw her there. We don't know what's going on yet, but uh I think yeah. it's a good step for her. Yeah. Look, she it's Refresh. I, I think she was getting lost in the roster. Let her refresh. Hey, if it means yeah. I don't have to hear Corey fucking Graves and his disgusting Woof. commentary on her every time she comes to the ring. I am more than down to have Beth's take on this situation. Like, I'm very here for it. Yeah. And then that's balanced by Tegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart debuting on SmackDown, which means why the fuck would you have Tegan Knox cost the way their tag titles? And then she goes, peace out, motherfucker. Guess what? I'm on SmackDown now. I got the last laugh. I'm fine with it because I feel like it gives her her farewell. And I think that's, that, you know, it's her really sneaky, shafty farewell that's like, I don't even go here and I fucked you over. Bye. Um, <laughs> and if you think that, like, the, it's been storyline Candace cost her a year of her career, I would, I am a petty bitch. Uh, also part Welsh, like Tegan. So maybe it's just our heritage. But I would be like, oh, did you like, did you want that belt? Did you enjoy it? Oh, I'm so fucking sorry. And like, don't even close the door behind you. Just fucking leave it open and let all the air conditioning rush out. Like, I, I would just, I enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, yeah. She definitely came into SmackDown in her outside clothes. Like, yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just remembered, I was sitting here scanning my brain going, and who beat them for the titles? I couldn't even remember. That's what makes it bad. Yeah, I mean, that's not meaning- ideal. The transfer of the titles was was meaning Like, the, tr- the titles just became a prop, but they're a prop and a feud. But now the feud doesn't happen because the other person is left unless they do something across shows, which it doesn't seem like is going to happen. Well, they were still so talking then- about it, right? Like, so I don't know if I feel like Candice and Tegan could still end up having a match. Uh, we'll see. Otherwise, they, you know, they're just paying off that. Candace Tegan feud from forever ago and clumsy ending, but at least they closed that chapter and presumably needed to get it off the way for whatever reason that will inevitably break my heart because I want the way to have all good things and stay together forever. That would be like writing a, like 99% of a really good novel and then at the very end you're like, and then Batman was there. The oh, so, end. So you have read my work. <laughs> I, back I, on the show. <laughs> I, <thought> you... <laughs> I Heart Batman is now available. <laughs> I thought you were just describing Space Jam again. Yeah. Wham, bam, diggity-doo, Elmer Fudd is here for you. Ow, you. Shooting threes. You can only see all these people at the WB at Space Jam. Space Jam. If you've got any thoughts on all the things we talked about, Space Jam. Find us on the social channels in our show notes. Space Jam. Slam dunk. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the best experiences we've had as part of a live wrestling audience. 
That's up next on Tights and Fights, the only Space Jam podcast you're listening to right now. Hello, I'm Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. And we host Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. Every week, we share media that made us who we are. Things like Archie Comics, Sailor Moon, and lots of Taylor Swift. And now that Riley's an adult, it comes with 100% more butts. And now I am totally comfortable with it. So check out new episodes of Still Buffering every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. Butts, butts, butts. Join in, Riley. Butts, 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 Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin, and I'm joined today by... Danielle Jammin and Slammin Radford. And... Lindsay Kelk. That's <laughs> going to give one quarter of the wrestling don't, world don't some extra attention. improvise on me, Radford. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired. I'm, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing Space Jam tonight, so that's why everything is so... <laughs> Lindsay not seeing Space Jam Kelk. <laughs> <laughs> It's the Space Jam. Take it, Taz. <laughs> Space Jam. This week, we're going to give one corner of wrestling some extra attention. This is our main event. Let's get ready to rock. Whoa. Whoa. Holy shit. Oh, it's live, Hal. Sorry. Lindsay, I promise that I'm going to put uh, yeah, WWE are. Dynamite yeah, in there. You next yeah, you are. <laughs> well, for better or for worse... But probably for worse, this is the week we bid farewell to WWE's Thunderdome. So they join AEW and most other professional sports in spreading the del- welcoming back <laughs> live audiences. From a purely entertainment standpoint, I think we all miss the crowds. Certainly watching Fighter Fest, once I get over the initial horror of a bunch of unmasked people yelling at each other in really close proximity, I thought, this is essential more so than any other sporting type event, I understand it's entertainment, but it also is lumped into the to the sporting category. The crowd really makes really makes the show. The energy is higher. Mm-hmm. You you as somebody watching at home have a better sense. You know, to, to a certain extent, the audience at a live event that you're watching televised will dictate to you how you're supposed to feel, especially for people who are new to a product. They'll see who am I supposed to cheer for? Who am I supposed to boo? The, those things are are important. So that that part of it was um, was very nice to see. I don't know. It also just we opened everything too fucking early. Sorry. We're all in California. We're about to start getting like at, at, at midnight of when you are listening to this, we will be starting to have the mask mandate back indoors. So we should add that a little bit of context. Because yeah. we are getting ready to start, who knows what's going to happen, but we definitely have to be wearing masks indoors. So I know people get upset about it. It doesn't bother. Like I'm like, it's literally the least you can do, and yes. don't be a dick. Like honestly, yes. how if you understand what's happening and you are cognizant and sympathetic and empathetic and all the things that you should be to what this is and what this does, and after this amount of time, like are we not? Um, and you got your vaccine and all those other good things, it should not bother you to wear a mask if you are inside. Right. Because just as a refresher for everybody, it's not all about you. It's about all of the peoples 
all of the time. It does. It's not going to hurt you. Best case scenario, you save somebody's life by wearing that mask. Worst case scenario, you wore a mask. It, you know? Yeah, maybe your makeup gets smudged. Like, you'll be fine. Right? Uh, and it's sun protection. It's, it, there's many, many upsides. People can't see when you're talking shit about them. <laughs> I massively love and recommend the wearing of masks. So bring it back. I like it yeah. so much. Let's do and it more. I also understand the frustration that someone could have saying, I've done everything I was supposed to do, including wearing a mask for all of last year and getting vaccinated when it was my turn. And now I find myself, instead of enjoying the fruits of my labor or the, or my responsibility, I now have to pick up the slack for all of the people who are either too stubborn or too ignorant to, to do the right thing. And I, and it's fine. Like, you know, Superman doesn't have to like everybody in the bank where he foils the robbery. Also, Lex Luthor is a lot more predictable than a living virus that is mutating and I'm afraid is not on your schedule, Uh, people who are annoyed that they did the right thing. I get it. We all did the right thing. We would all like this to be over, but, like, the virus is like, (laughs) I like that you made an effort, A for effort. Uh, Unfortunately, I am just going to keep doing my thing because he's just doing his thing. He's just out there. Delta variant's just out there doing his thing. Mm -hmm. His job. He's doing his job, doing it so well. Uh, we are going to need him to slack off. Someone tweeted, tweeted like, now we're all going to wind up having to learn the Roman alphabet. <laughs> it made me laugh so hard. Or the Greek alphabet. <laughs> it made me laugh so hard. <laughs> Look, I certainly understand that sense of frustration. But at the same time, like Lindsay said, if there's anybody listening to this, like, it's okay. Just put your mask on. The, the quicker we all do the right thing, and protect everybody and protect the community and ourselves and people who we may care for who aren't as protected as we are, then the sooner we get through this. And mm-hmm. it's, it is a huge psychological blow. I get that. So we're, we're all here for you. We all support everybody out there in the nation of conversation. Please take care of yourselves wherever you are and follow your local guidance. It's not that hard. It's not. And- Depending on where you are, maybe do a little more. (laughs) Maybe do more. Maybe do more based on where you are. This is true. Back to the Thunderdome, though. What do you think the ultimate legacy of the Thunderdome will be? (laughs) I think it's going to be when it first started during that first week when you had, like, people dressed up like the KKK and then all of a sudden, (laughs) all of a sudden, a fake Kenny Omega is there because somebody put that up on their screen before they started locking down and making sure people couldn't do it. I think when we remember it, obviously, like, there's the piped in music and then the piped in crowd noise and we're going to remember that it was at least some way for them to do it but i think when i think back at this era i'm gonna think of it just like when zoom calls when all of a sudden it's like oh jeffrey tubin's a masturbating all right like those (laughs) are the things that i'm gonna take away from it are all of the the ways that we all learned and grew together about how much we can trust our fellow man and that is zero (laughs) it is zero Uh, yeah as someone who took part in the thunderdome for all of about 17 minutes because it was Mm -hmm. just on bearable i will never forget having some poor wwe producer screaming in my ear going like boo him boo him now can you believe he did that boo him now boo him thumbs down thumbs down everybody everybody show us how angry you are everyone show us how angry you are yep no we're gonna break now okay bye 
And it was just the most nuts thing I've ever experienced. I, I They keep emailing me being like, want to be in the Thunderdome? And I'm like, no, thank you. Yeah, what a weird way to watch wrestling. Because when you're in the crowd, you know how to feel due to your own feelings. But if you're on a screen, <laughs> apparently you need a man to tell you and to be screaming in your ear that you should be happy now that Rhea Ripley is on the screen. I'm like, I am I am happy. Now you're making me question it. Am I happy? Don't make me ask myself these questions. It's too deep. I can't do it. Um, but it was such a weird experience. I, I, I want to like talk to a kid that did it and see if it was better for a kid to feel like they were taking part in something like super fun and awesome as opposed to being an adult be like, don't tell me how to feel. Uh, but then immediately doing as I was told. Immediately doing as I was told. <laughs> it was a, a very weird thing. But also when you compare it to no crowds and nobody there at all, Ugh. it it all of a sudden looks like the that meme of like a utopian future with flying yeah. cars and clean shimmering Jetsons. cities and towers. Full yeah. Jetsons. It's yeah. full on Jetsons. I forgot like, here's Alf dressed like Hitler. It's the first week of the Thunderdome. <laughs> <laughs> Alf would dress like Hitler because he would think it was a cute outfit. He wouldn't yeah. know. He wasn't That's here. He's from actual Mac, Alex Jones. Right? What is he doing? <laughs> Did he stumble onto this by mistake? <laughs> the only person I really think that nailed it pre Thunderdome was Bailey. Bailey is the person I will always remember coming out and shouting as though the crowd was there yeah. <laughs> and just acting as though they were still there and pointing at the crowd. And I was like, oh, this is the this is how this happens for her. Uh, this is how good she is. What a treasure. And everything else, I'm just like, oh. But also, like, I like seeing people thrown through screens, and the Thunderdome really gave me that. They gave me a huge opportunity to see people get thrown through screens. I love when they do that. I do love yeah. that. Yeah. That's the end of of audience screens that people get thrown through, and them trying to work their way through the crowd while also trying not to trip over wires. <laughs> now that we're easy. returning to in-person audiences for wrestling events it's a good time to to reflect on our own experiences as the audience at a wrestling event so i'd love to go around and each say a favorite memory from a live event that you've attended because i know you've you've both been to multiple multiple events doesn't have to be wwe any event ever just your favorite experience as a as a live wrestling fan Oh, man. I mean, as we all know, I was at that infamous Slammies where we took it over for Daniel Bryan. So that's one of my favorites. All of you are here to witness a ceremony that symbolizes an epic moment in time. A game-changing moment in time. Something more recently, gosh, I wish I could remember her name, but that really awesome security guard that kicked out Enzo. So we went, I went with a friend of the show, Rachel Evans, and we had like front row, really good fucking seats. They were amazing. And it was during like a Thanksgiving thing. 
And so they're doing a food fight and food is just coming right over us. And the security guard, when you do that, it's their job to stand in front of you so food doesn't get on you. She stood there and like, it's not like she's just standing there passively. She is ducking and weaving and getting potato all over her and just like mashed potato and pie and everything. And so we barely got anything on us. Um, And that was just such a fun experience to watch how that happens from the other side. And the whole time we were saying thank you as loud as we possibly could. And we were trying to get chants started from her, for her. And we got a few of them, but it wasn't nearly as many as I would have liked. Um, I, oh, gosh, I believe Latoya Ferguson, also a friend of the show, I believe that she was there as well. So that's one of my favorite kind of live. And it's the closest I've ever been to, de- to, to a thing. Like you could actually see at some point, I think I do like a, a high five with one of the performers coming out. Um, you could actually see me against the barrier because I'm like little nerd me um that and just literally anytime i got to go to lucha underground rest in peace gone but not forgotten <laughs> yeah we, we'll never forget Truly. you Truly, Lindsay. um i mean without being obvious uh wrestlemania 30 which obviously i've talked about a thousand times but as a bell to bell start to finish audience participation experience wrestlemania 30 forever and always also evolution was incredible the crowd was so so good because everyone there knew what they were there for it was like the anti-AEW it's like so many matches there's no one more match no no one women's match it was all women's matches and we all knew and it was so glorious last month at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view event Becky Lynch beat Charlotte Flair for the title at SummerSlam Becky stabbed her Best friend Charlotte Flair in the back to begin this all. It is about the SmackDown Women's Championship. Genuinely joyful. One of the most joyful WWE crowds I've ever, ever, ever seen. And then more specific instances where I just remember the crowd being such an important part of things was for sure, I mean, always PWG. It was when I first moved out to LA and I started going to PWG. Mm. And it's we talk about wrestling crowds being part of the show i mean at pwg you really are like you are fully part of the show routinely the crowd is involved if they weren't there and you weren't part of if you weren't in on it it must have sucked but i will say from the first time we went when we had absolutely no clue other than i've heard this is good and trotted up and bought tickets on the night back when you could still go to Reseda and buy tickets on the night. Stood in a parking lot for three hours, but got in. Um, (laughs) Everyone was just so kind. Everyone was, no one was like, ugh, they don't know what's going on. Like they would be like, oh, so last month, like they did this and they did that. And that's why this is happening now. And it felt so inclusive. It felt really like we weren't being shunned. I've been to plenty of wrestling events with a male friend or with my husband now or whatever and who the people that are there just either talk Mm. to him and don't talk to me or they talk to me as if like oh what a great girl you are for coming along for being dragged out to this i never had that at pwg at pwg you were just in the club if you were there you're in the club just no bad experiences there zero bad experiences which 
when I was thinking about this, I was like, oh, that show we went to. I'm like, wait, no, that's the show where that guy grabbed my ass when I walked past and then was like, oh, I'm sorry, and pretended he just had his hand in the wrong place. And there were a lot of stories like that because uh, you get that a lot as a lady at the wrestling. The men think that they can do whatever they want to you because you are just there to entertain them. So any wrestling crowd where <laughs> I was made to feel welcome has been has been amazing for me. And I hope that that is something we continue through when crowds come back that everyone is just so happy to be there that we all treat each other like humans which is fucking nuts that that should be a request let's never ever chant anything about nikki bella and john cena ever again yay yay (laughs) (laughs) oh i I wish i could have that optimism i mean she's she's got a baby with another man and he is married to another lady and neither of them wrestle and maybe it's time to park that Shit. Maybe no more CM Punk chants, huh? Huh? I mean, yeah. just throwing yeah, it out there. There's one thing about wrestling fans. We're really good at letting things go. <laughs> <laughs> Two things that stand out to me. One was being at a Raw taping in Philadelphia or a Raw broadcast in Philadelphia in 2001 when The Rock returned at the during the invasion. It was during invasion when he, when he first came back. That was his that was the night he returned from making Scorpion King and the electricity of him walking in, you know, making his entrance and cutting a promo was pretty incredible. I don't think I will ever have a live wrestling experience that will impact me the way the first live show I ever went to was did, which was in 1986 at the Spectrum in Philadelphia, which for a young nine-year-old Hal Lublin to get to see Hulk Hogan at the time, who was a huge star, and also the the now-departed Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff mm. and George the Animal Steel and Macho Man Randy Savage, just all these larger-than-life people that I'd only seen on TV that that in my mind at the time were real, everything they did on TV was real. I didn't question any of it. So the impact of seeing them all in person in a ring was was mm. incredible. And the Mr. W- Mr. Wonderful Randy Savage match was a highlight for me. So good. Little hell. Underrated. Paul Wondorf, underrated. I do realize I, I'm forced to have an addition that I had forgotten having uh, looked through the script um, because I do have to give a special shout out to the British wrestling crowds that I have enjoyed because it's mm. just a different, it's a different flavor, people. Um, Y'all be chanting? Yeah, I mean, we love a chant. You know, like, fo- mm-hmm. you think about football songs like and how creative British sports fans are, and admittedly this week also terrible, but um, like they're very creative. The British football chants, I cannot begin to tell you, that's a whole other episode in and of itself, all of the songs that are made up by these drunken, glorious men. Um but the wrestling crowds are, are, are a fun time because I, I, my very first ever WWE show was like in the mid 2000s and I went to a SmackDown taping for work. Like they sent me to check it out. I've talked about this before, how I came back. Like we were looking at doing a project with WWE and I was like, oh, I'll go because I kind of know something about it. And I went to a SmackDown uh, taping up in Sheffield 
I think it was, I went up to Sheffield where my brother lives and we went together and it was like a really nice thing for the two of us to do together. And Shawn Michaels was on the card. He was there and that was huge to us because obviously we come back and we were like, oh my God, Shawn Michaels. And my brother got to live a lifetime ambition of shouting, you screw Brett, because Shawn ran into the crowd and he ran right to where we were. And everyone started chanting, you screw Brett. And obviously he just didn't care because he's like, this was some time ago, people, let it go. But, you know, he hadn't been in England for a while. So, like, we will hold a grudge. And then just another a London show that I went to where Daniel Bryan and CM Punk were tag teaming and all of the men in the crowd started chanting, get your tits out for the lads at them because they were both wrestling in T-shirts and they wouldn't take their T-shirts off. And then they did a brief strip tease where they did take their T-shirts off and did, in fact, get their tits out for the lads, um, which was Kind of a spectacular moment also. Magical. Uh, let's wrap up the segment with a few memories from the Nation of Conversation. We asked you for some of your favorite live event memories, and here are some of our favorites. I Better Be Funny on Twitter said that their first live indie show led them to meeting and being pals with Eric Barnes and J. Dobbs Rosa, who guided them through the characters at the show, which is very cool. It's always great to connect and have members of the nation of conversation meet one another and and learn more about wrestling from one another. We all learn from one another. That's the best part. At Andy Lyon 92 said they were there for two major WrestleMania moments. Kofi Mania, which is really cool, and the return of the Hardys. Ah, oh, but remember how excited we were for the Hardys to come back? It was a pop like no other. Mm-hmm. Like it was yeah. the anti-Undertaker silence. I was at both of those manias and when the Undertaker's loss just sucked every ounce of energy out of the room uh the hardy return may have like bust the texas electric grid i don't know it was fucking nuts it was fully insane florida not texas florida i thought the same they're the same sorry florida and texas i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) on facebook jim said i really miss being in small crowds We went to a lot of mid-2000s Ring of Honor shows where the wrestlers really reacted to the people or even just a person. I'll never forget my brother yelling, I can't believe it's not Regal at Brian Danielson to make fun of his burgundy ring gear and hearing Brian yell back, Regal can't lace my boots. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Yep. We got a little bit of that with when there were no crowds or in the Thunderdome. You can hear more of the wrestlers speaking to one another. You don't get them interacting with the crowd, but those little moments are, that's a treasure. That's, That's Brian Danielson creating a memory for a fan. That's what wrestling's all about. Harry said, in December 2015, I went to take over London. My dad had died a couple months earlier, and I was in a pretty bad place mentally. Being there with my best friend in this huge sea of people who were all there out of shared love for something was magical. And that is what wrestling is all about also. Community. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that, Harry. There were so many responses we got for this topic that we don't have time to get to all of them. But you can see all of them at our social media accounts via the links in our show notes. When we come back, we've got three things from the world of wrestling that you should know about. That's up next on Tights and Fights. Hey, I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalin. Together, we're The Flophouse. A podcast where we watch a bad movie and then talk about it. Movies like Space Hobos, Into the Outer Reaches of the Unknown and the Things That We Don't Know, the movie, and also, who's that grandma? Zazzle Zippers, Breakdown 2, and Backhanded Compliment. Elvis is a Policeman. Baby Crocodile and the Happy Twins. Leftover Potatoes? Station Wagon 3. Herbie Goes to Hell. 
New episodes available every other Saturday. Available at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Bye. Toys and Bites Podcast. Toys and Bites. Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Loveland and I'm joined today by... Danielle Radford. And... Lindsay Kelk. Space Jam! This week we want to end the show by sharing some of the joy of wrestling with you. This is the three count. Danielle, what would you like to put over? All right, so as everybody, I think a lot of y'all know, I uh, play some tabletop games. It's a thing that I really enjoy doing. And so I also really enjoy watching people play tabletop. So by the time this has gone up, this will have already happened, but I'm pretty sure there's going to be some VOD. My girl, Abria Iyengar, who has GM'd for me in the Dimension 20 show that is on the air right now that you can check out, is going to be, I believe, GMing for a bunch of WWE superstars for a D&D game. So it's going to be, obviously, Xavier Woods. That feels pretty organic. Ember Moon, Mace the Wrestler. I forget who Mace was before he was Mace, but Mace the Wrestler will be there. And of course, we'll never forget you always in our hearts, Tyler Breeze. So that just sounds like that's going to be super, super fun. It's going to be benefiting Connor's cure. I know it sounds like I'm shilling, but it's really just like, it's D&D and it's a bunch of wrestlers playing D&D. And so if that is the kind of thing that you like and you love watching tabletop, you can check that out. And that is from G4 and the official Dungeons and Dragons account. And again, it will have already aired by the time this goes up, but I believe you'll be able to find that on video on demand later. I'm definitely gonna be watching it because I wanna watch all those people and the crazy characters they create and the situations they get themselves into. I bet Ember Moon is going to squash it. I bet she is going to murder. Awesome. Lindsay? I just I just kinda wanna watch Ember Moon murder things now. Uh, <laughs> that would be a fun time. But what I am gonna put over is more wrestlers going up, going over what that means from NXT to the main roster, uh, and as, as well as Shotzi and Tegan, and we've got um, promise of Tony time coming to SmackDown also. But mm-hmm. a less publicized move over is Aaliyah is reportedly going over to Raw and was a trade for Mandy Rose. I'm honestly so happy for her. It genuinely, when I got that news, I don't know if you saw NXT this week, everyone, but when she had her match and ended it by giving Robert Stone a good kick in, which was a good time. Uh, But as she left and walked up the ramp, she blew kisses to everyone. And it really felt like, oh my God, is she leaving? Is she leaving? And I didn't know what that meant. And I went on their social channels and WWE was very like, you deserve that moment, Aaliyah, yeah, and everyone did a quick thank you, Aaliyah, and it was like, wait, what? And it transpires she seems to be moving up to the main roster, and honestly, correct decision, I think, for her, because she has been at NXT forever. Is she as technically gifted as some of the other women on NXT? Maybe not. Is she as technically gifted as a lot of the women on the main roster? Yes, she is. I think the main roster could be someone where she thrives, someone, somewhere. And I do think she's got the potential to go sort of the Elias route where it was getting lost on NXT because it didn't really fit, but could really do well on the main roster in a in a well-managed storyline. And I'm just like really happy for her. She has been there literally forever. And I'm pumped to see her get to do her thing on another stage now. Awesome. I have two things to put over. That's right. 
two what? things. Here's number one. They're both they're both promos. First, here's uh, Britt Baker, DMD, doing what she does best. And with this, I'm the hottest thing in professional wrestling. But even without it, I'm still Dr. Britt Baker. D. One of the great things about NXT is they do tournaments better than anybody has ever done tournaments in the history of tournaments that were ever tournamented. And their breakout tournament appears like it's heading in that same direction. Duke Hudson picking up a win in the first round. But as good as he was in the ring, he was even better on the microphone beforehand. Here's a little bit of his interview. Hey, Duke Hudson here. I'm not perfect, but I gotta be close. All the way from Adelaide, South Australia at six foot five. 270 pounds with big biceps, a broad back, and the best backside in the business. Any more bees, we'd be making honey. That does it for this episode of Tights and Fights and Space Jam. This week, your hosts were <laughs> Lindsay Kelk and Danielle Radford, along with me, Hal Lublin. You can follow me at Hal Lublin on all of the socials. Danielle? Um, yeah, you can follow me at Danielle Radford on Twitter, at Danielle underscore Radford on Instagram. That's usually where I post all of the things that I'm doing. Like I said, if you really want to watch me play some, um, this isn't actually D&D. It is the um, Kids on Bikes tabletop. You can watch that on Dimension 20. It's a really fun table. I had a really good time. And so if you want to watch me play some D&D or some, some tabletop, there you go. Oh, also Honest Trailers. Go watch those. Oh. Lindsay. Hello. Uh, yeah, at Lindsay Kelk in all the places on the internet. Um, I've been talking about my uterus a lot lately, and I recommend you all do the same. Uh, if you have one or if you know someone who has one, ask them how it is, because uh, sometimes they're tricky and we don't talk about them, and we should... So come talk to me on the internet at Lindsay Kelk about your uterus or any of your reproductive organs, really. I'll, I'm here to chat. Like, I actually had a bunch of dudes message me and say, my wife really struggles with this thing or my partner really struggles with this thing and what should I do to help her? And it's like, you know what? Just talk to her. Because like, if you can message me and say, I want to help her, that's all she needs to hear. Um, and I loved it. It made me so happy that I heard from so many of you on that topic. But also books and shit. So like anything you want to talk about... <laughs> Basically, I'm on a deadline, so uh, come procrastinate with me at Lindsay Kelk. Our producer, Julian Burrell, woke up and did not skip leg day. Big surprise. Welcome to the slam. Space Jam. <laughs> Senior producer of Maximum Fun is Laura Swisher. Mike Eagle is the voice behind our theme music, so we're putting him over for that. Keep up with us all week long on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Links to all of those are in our show notes. If you love what we do, remember to hit those five stars on Apple Podcasts and share us with all your friends. Thank you so much to the Max Fun members who make this show possible. We'll be back next week for even more, you guessed it, wrestling. Come on and summer jam! Marvin the Martian. Bye. Ties and Bites Podcast. Ties and Bites. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.